0: I just want to start off this morning by, again, just a moment of prayer. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and bow your hearts in prayer. And just in these next couple of moments, ask you to turn individually to God and just ask God to meet with you, to speak with you. Pray that you have Hearts that are open, eyes that are open, ears that are open, to receive what God has to say to you. You know, sometimes um, <clears throat> sometimes my wife will say to me, Rich, we need to talk. And I, I have this instinctive response in me that goes, Oh, Jonas, what's happening here? Maybe there's some other people out there that feel the same, but that's definitely happened for me once or twice. Um, And we go into a conversation that, to be 100% honest, is not nice. It's not easy, but it's critical for the future and for the well-being of our relationship. And so we we place ourselves in that conversation, and we and we hold ourselves in that conversation as best as we can for as long as it needs to be. We need to be. Um, without those conversations, I think there will be massive parts of our relationship that are more dysfunctional, that are more disastrous than what they presently are. So we hold ourselves in that conversation. And the reason I'm telling you that is because I think we're heading to a little bit of that conversation in terms of the sermon this morning. I suspect that there may be some moments that are distinctly uncomfortable, um, And it might feel a little bit harsh at times, but I ask, nevertheless, that you just hold that moment and hold yourself well in that moment. If you've been in churches, if you've been in our church for a while, you know that there's kind of different flavored sermons that happen from the frontier. Sometimes we preach what we call exegetical sermons and we take a passage of the Bible and we read that passage and whatever themes emerge from that passage, that's the theme that we preach. We've been doing that with Acts for quite a while now, going through the book of Acts saying, God, what do you want us to speak about? We exegete what's in the passage. Other, other times we preach sermons that we call them topical sermons. So there's a big event potentially in our, in our nation, in our city, in our country, in the world, I don't know, that we say this is big enough to latch onto maybe the, the riots or the floods, and we say, let's latch onto that topic, and we bring God's Word to bear on that topic, and that's called a topical sermon. Today's sermon is in another category altogether. It's in the category of calling the church to be the church. That's what we want to do today. I want to call this church to be the church, to live what it is to be the church. I mean, we need to keep in mind that we're in a new, unique zone here. When we stepped into this room, we stepped into a unique zone this morning. You've chosen to step into a zone that in many ways is substantially different to other zones of your life. So this zone that we've stepped into, in some senses, is like a family. We are spiritual brothers and sisters to each other. And hopefully you've, you've found something of that truth. So we kind of like a family, but we're not, because we don't have the, you know, the blood ties or maybe the, the length of connections that we have with our f- physical families. So we kind of like a family, but we're not. We kind of like a, sh- a social club, a dinner club, because we're surrounded by people that we may call them acquaintances. And if you've been around long enough, you may say, I've got a bunch of friends here, so we're a social club. Kind of like a socialist club, but it's also very different. That's not all we are to each other. We're not just friends and acquaintances. We're kind of like an NGO because we're good at efforts to help our world and to heal our world. We just heard about that a few moments ago. But we're much broader than an NGO. Church is much broader than an NGO. And so we could carry on. It's kind of like we're in a support group because there are some people here that are leaning very heavily on each other, as it should be, for help and support and encouragement and accountability, et cetera, et cetera. we kind of like in a lecture zone because there's some bloke who gets up here and he speaks to you and he teaches and it's, it feels a little bit like a lecture. But again, it's not quite like that. It's like a musical concert because we're being led by gifted musicians, but these ones are aiming at honouring God with their gifts and with their talents, and so we're not simply a, a musical concert, and and so we could go on and on. It's none of those those spaces. This place is different. It must be different. We stepped into a church this morning, and we need to keep on reminding ourselves and investing in the fact that this body of people is a church. And we need to keep on refining our understanding and redefining our experience of it so that we may truly be the church that God calls us to. And that's what the sermon is about this morning. It's a call to us again to be the church as God, the head of the church, has called us to be. Okay, that's, what we, that's where we're heading this morning. So a couple of weeks ago, a bit of a backstory: the elders went on their combined retreat. Elders and the leadership of the church, it's something that we do every year. A weekend is set aside in some parts of the following week to spend some time praying to God and saying, God, please speak to us. We're setting this time particularly to hear from you to know if there's a new chapter that we need to introduce in our church, if there's a particular issue we need to grapple with in our church, and we're just waiting on God, saying, God, speak to us about our church, that we may know the way forward. Um, Every time we come back from that time with God, we honestly say we believe that God has spoken to us and He's given us a new page Maybe not a new vision, but a new page, a new book, a new chapter, whatever you want to call it, for this church's history. And I I can say that happened exactly like that this last time. We came away from that time away with God saying, we're excited about something that God's going to lead us into. And you're going to hear about it at some point in the future. All right, watch this space. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a genuinely awesome adventure for our church. But there was one other moment of that weekend that stands out for me. Um, It happened in in some of the smaller talk of one of the meetings. To be 100% honest, I can't even remember the exact context of our conversation. But in the middle of a conversation, I heard Cindy, my godly, beautiful, wise wife, say a truly hectic thing. At least it was for me. It was kind of like a gut blow. You know when somebody says something and go, oof, wow. And what she said has lingered with me, and it has resonated with me in such a way that I would actually say that I believe at this point that it was God speaking in and through Cindy in that moment, Certainly to me. And that gets a little bit gray because if God is speaking to me, is he speaking to the church as well? I don't know. I'm a pastor in this church, and sometimes it gets a little bit blurred which one it is. But I honestly believe God was speaking in that moment. And this is what Cindy said in that moment, in that meeting. She said, our church has never been as bad at prayer as we are at the moment. Our church has never been as bad at prayer as we are at the moment. What do you make of that? How do you, how do you process that? You know, if someone steps into your family and says something critical about your family and says, I don't know, your family spends money unwisely. Well, my guess is that you would possibly laugh it off, especially if that person knows nothing about your family, or if that person is nobody to your family. You just palm it off. That's not the case here. I don't think I need to point out Cindy's credentials, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, just to... Just to realize that it is worth listening. Cindy is a pastor in our church. Cindy has been an elder in our church. I think if we got everybody that knows Cindy together in, a, in the same room, they would unanimously say that she is truly a God, godly lady, that she is wise, that she is spirit-led. She's been here for over 20 years. Does that make, mean she's so angelic that she cannot make mistakes? Of course not. She's broken just like the rest of us but I do think it would be brave or foolish for anyone to simply write her assessment off as something of little consequence or little meaning. Added to that, I think her view that she expressed in that moment is actually a shared point of view. I would agree, certainly, and I know that there would be others that would say there's something deficient about the prayer life of our church. And so let's just entertain that thought for a moment. What if what she said there is true? What if our prayer life in this church at this point in history is at its worst? You know, again, if someone stepped into my family and said, Rich, you and your girls, because it's my wife and my two girls, you girls guys are terrible at tennis. I'd agree with them, I'd laugh with them, and then I'd happily carry on with my life. I wouldn't need to adjust anything, because in all honesty, tennis is no biggie. I wouldn't go out and hire a coach to address how we're handling ourselves as tennis players. Nothing like it. It's just not big enough. But if a loved one, whom I respect, and whose voice resonates often with truth... Comes and says to me, Rich, your family is terrible at communication. In fact, it's undermining the well being of your family to just continue on with more of the same as if what that has just been said is someone else's problem to take attention pay attention to and to solve. Well, for me that's just crazy. It's unwise. And so I'll ask again, and I don't want to rush away from the question too quickly what do we do with this thing? I'm speaking to us as a church. What do we do with this thing? I have to say, it sat very badly with me. Obviously, as a pastor, this has happened on my watch. Very possibly because of my example, because of my preaching and the emphasis that I bring to people, because of my way of approaching ministry, let's counsel our way. Let's strategize our way. Let's think our way and simply hammer our way through whatever war presents to us. That's the way we do ministry Yeah, And possibly the words, let's pray are too foreign to those kinds of moments, at least in my ministry. And having thought that for a moment, I then went to defensiveness. This is the whole process of trying to handle what happened in that moment. Let me get defensive. Maybe she's got it wrong. I mean, it's not that bad in our church. People pray in their life groups. People pray in their LTC groups every now and then. Okay? In our service, I've just been acutely aware as I sat in this morning, in our service we pray at times. We invite people to come up and pray. Um, there's a very significant list of prayer meetings in our church that you may want to become aware of because they're open. Just about all of them are open to anybody. If the sermon does touch you, maybe this is the area that you would respond. There's the Tuesday morning online prayer group, which happens from 7 a.m. onwards on our webpage. John leads that. Wednesday morning, there's a group that waits on the Lord in the youth center. There's maybe three or four of us there. There's a Wednesday evening prayer meeting at Pine Town. The elders have a monthly prayer meeting. There's a Saturday morning and Thursday evening WhatsApp prayer group with about five people in each of them. Any of these, you can ask me for more details. There's a Friday night youth prayer meeting. There's a prayer meeting before the evening service, and generally speaking, there's maybe two or three people that pray between the two services in the church. Again, you're welcome to join. So no mistake, there are a number of prayer meetings that are happening. But then in my honest moments, I find myself finding a suggestion of a different reality behind that list of impressive prayer meetings. And I've got to say, I don't sense a broadly held hunger for prayer in our church I don't pick up a gravitational pull towards prayer as a key part of our existence or our success or our story or who we are as a church. I don't think we'd ever be accused of being a praying church. And as I say, these are tough things to sit under. Hey, I felt fairly hammered by that thought of us not being a great praying church, so I then tried to start explaining it. Why is it like this? And I tried to explain it and I came with three different levels. The first level is, is kind of like just the realities of life It's not a lack of desire, it's not a lack of priority. It's just the realities of life limit people praying together, because that's what I'm talking about. I'm not primarily talking about individual prayer lives, okay? Just want to move it away from that zone into the zone of praying together. That's the zone I'm talking about. Lots of reasons people don't do that. Maybe, um, maybe because we're church full of introverts. All right? Church full of introverts. And, and I know this because this is one of my good buddies has said to me. He says, Rich, sitting in an awkward prayer meeting... Full of silence with a bunch of strangers is utterly terrifying. Okay, he didn't use those words, but that's what I understood him to be saying. And I get that. I, I really get that. I'm not going to give solutions to the things that I put up here. That's, that, I think, is a journey between you and God but I do understand that to be a difficulty, a real difficulty. Maybe there are folk here that are just too busy. Their schedule is so hectic, and I've run into a number of those recently. One bloke saying to me, 40 hours overtime this month. Another person saying, I'm existing on three hours of sleep a night for the last three weeks. You know, busyness is a reality, an incredible reality, at least to some people here. Yeah. And to find time to pray together with somebody else in that kind of schedule is mind-boggling, to say the least. Maybe there's the fear or intimidation factor. You know, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray great prayers. Maybe I'll say something, I'll pray out something out loud, and I won't have the same amount of passion as the next person or doctrinal accuracy as the next person. And so I feel horribly intimidated by ever saying anything out loud in a group of people, so you know what, rather I won't place myself in that situation. It's too fearful, too intimidating. Maybe there's the the ignorance factor. I don't know much about anything that has to do with praying with other people. I don't know when they meet. I don't know why they meet. I don't know who it is that meeting. I don't know where they meet. I don't know what to say when I get there. Anything like that. Okay, so those are all real things. And I fully understand all of those things. I I, I do. I I get that. I get that. Um, I don't know the answers. That's, as I say, between you and God. If I can help in any way, let me know. Please, chat with me. So that's level one. Level two issues is probably a grade more concerning than that first one. First one doesn't have to do with desire. Doesn't necessarily have to do with lack of priority or anything like that. Level two is more concerning if this is a real issue. Maybe we have bred in our church or in our minds or, or however it's happened an insular type of faith, an individual type of faith. You know, maybe we have a sense of our faith journey that doesn't actually include the support or the company of anyone else. Certainly not when it comes to prayer. It's just my own personal journey. That's what drives me. My pursuit of God. In which case, praying with others just wouldn't make sense. And so we become insular in our faith journey. A picture that I think hopefully will become clear is utterly not where God is at. Although there is that level of faith journey, it is not the only level. So that's level two. Level three for me, I think, is the most dangerous of all levels as, as to why we might not find praying together as important. Level three is that whole zone of actual self-sufficiency. We aim at self-sufficiency. We make it a massive value. In our lives and in our schedules and in our time, we don't actually need God to have a successful faith or an effective church. As bizarre as that sounds, that's sometimes where we land. As long as we have the good things in life, then faith and things like prayer can just exist on the fringes of our life. Jacques said something very interesting to me last week. I hope I can capture what he said effectively. He's actually preaching next week, so he does have the right to reply. But he said that the Western church is in danger of being able to accomplish a very successful impression of church without God in the mix. As long as we have the budget, we can cover any number of impressive bases, but Yes, the thing, we'll never be able to imitate effectively people being saved or God's Spirit dealing with people in the depths of their difficulties and in the depths of their lives. Those things, no budget will ever be able to buy. Those are the things that God alone is able to accomplish. So whatever the scenario Whatever the reasons are behind this possibly being a reality in our church, the picture of prayer is so different in the New Testament. I'm just going to touch on four quick verses to give us a window into what it's like in the New Testament. So, first one, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, very familiar passage. If two of you agree on earth. All right, so the starting point is a sense of togetherness. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask for, in other words, there's that time of praying together. We're asking together for something. Can you see the picture of us asking together in that verse, in that first line? If two of you agree on earth about asking for anything, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. Okay, that I'm not going to be preaching on. That line, we're going to just press the pause button, because there's lots of stuff that can be said, except to say maybe that second line is answered by the third line, which says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them, and that's simply to point out again, there's a unique sense of the presence of God when two or three get together in Jesus' name to be in this zone of prayer. There's a unique sense of the presence of God as I encounter God in the, in the, per, in the prayers and in the person or someone I'm praying with. In their encouragement, in their, in their passion, there's an introduction to the presence of God that I probably won't find as I do this thing by myself at my home, in my closet, by myself. Second verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they all joined together constantly. Sure, there's a big word. Constantly in prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Can you see it again? The, the, the desire to pray together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The whole bang shoot. All of them were there. Now, that little verse is one of the earliest windows into the church that utterly changed the world, the Acts church. History has not been the same since the birth of the ex-church. And it started, that church started, one of the earliest indications of the nature of that church is that it started with a sense of wanting to pray together. Imagine if our church started using language of let's pray first. In, in, in so many different scenarios, just those two words, imagine, became a bit of a motto of when we get together. Let's pray first. Let's pray first when we get into our LTC. Let's just pray first. Let's pray first before we do marriage preparation. Or let's pray first when we get into a group with a bunch of friends. How awkward is that? Maybe some... Some conversations with friends actually would invite that for a moment. Before we start our recovery events, any of these events, before we next start our, our next strategic events, just to get that language very much more present in our church, I think would be an absolute plus for our church. Just pray first. Pray first. As weird and as cliche as it sounds, what about saying it with our wife? or at work. You know, in that verse, that prayer meeting, that prayer connection, because prayer meeting sounds so formal, and it just sometimes puts such a dampener on the idea of praying together. But that prayer experience that they had in Acts, it was mentioned in such a, a natural way. It seems that it was a given that it was a natural impulse to follow, that, that the church would just get together and pray. Again, wouldn't that be awesome if this became so much more of a value in our church, that prayer just flowed and was present and experienced, prayed for and praying for, uh, for people and praying with people and being prayed for. Third verse, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father He says, Our Father. He says, Give us this day. He says, Lead us. He says, Deliver us. Two interesting things about the Lord's Prayer. Firstly, the disciples asked, it comes from the disciples asking, Jesus, teach us how to pray. In other words, there was a moment where the disciples were with Jesus in prayer. Again, that was the default option, praying together. And out of that moment, the disciples recognized some kind of qualitative, experiential thing that that was in Jesus' prayer that they could learn from. And so they turned to Jesus in the context of praying together to say, teach me how to pray. And then Jesus launches into this prayer. There's a teaching moment that is present when people pray together. I can learn from somebody else. I can be mature, become more mature from someone else's prayer and their experience and their passion and their insight that is expressed through prayer. The second thing that I want you to notice about that prayer, and it's been stated a hundred times in my life from the church, in a church context, but when Jesus responded about how to pray, it was with language that very much leaned into prayers that were with other people. That's why it's framed in a way of let us, deliver us, yeah, lead us, because it's meant to be with other people again and again. Not solely, but that that is part of the deal. Last verse, Matthew 21, verse 12 to 14. Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and he said and then he said to them it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but you've made it a den of thieves my house shall be called a house of prayer again central to our identity home ground church central to our identity, at least in Jesus' eyes, is the fact that we are to be known as a house of prayer. That's what the sermon's about. A call for us to be the church in terms of this topic. In terms of us becoming familiar again, of knowing what it means to pray with each other not for simply somebody leading the prayer front or delegating it to someone else to pray for the church, but to pray with each other. That's the picture that emerges from Scripture as to what part of our prayer life is about. Cindy's observation that she made at that meeting worries me intensely. I ask the question, what are we forfeiting as a church due to our lack of prayerfulness? How are we missing out on a true sense of God being the head of this church because we don't, as a church, turn to Him for leadership again and again and again? How are we missing out on a true sense of being the church together because I won't sit with my friends at church and pray? In what way is our church experience being undermined by unavailability to pray with each other? Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 is often used in the context of marriage. Listen to the one, two, three parts of this, of this verse. First part. The one may be overpowered. This is Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12. Sorry, I, I didn't get it up as a slide. First part, it says, Though one may be overwhelmed or overpowered. Two can defend themselves, so put yourself in a crowd, it's better. Three... I'm sure lots of you know that next verse. Next part. Who can remember it? (laughs) Say it again, Tom. The cord of three strands cannot easily be broken. One can be overwhelmed. Two can defend themselves. Put yourself in community. Three, a cord of three strands with God in the mix. The of three strands cannot be easily broken, and that is what we're calling for here. May we as a church not just be good at getting on with each other. May we as a church intentionally, even in the area of prayer, turn again and again and again to God so that the cord of three strands won't be broken very easily. So I want to invite you on this journey with me To rectify this in our church. So, what I've done is I've joined another prayer meeting. I've joined a prayer meeting. I've said the words, let's pray together, much more often. I've leaned into prayer in my own personal time much more intentionally. I've asked people to hold me accountable that I don't let this theme drop from my life because it mustn't just be a theme. That's what I've done. How would it change anything that you're doing if it is something that God is calling us as a church to? I'm not just trying to fill up our prayer meetings. They would be great. It would be so rewarding as the preacher of the sermon, to see treble the numbers at those prayer meetings. Be like, ka-ching, you know, something happened. That's what this is about. My longing is that people would turn towards God as His people and that we would do it together because that's God's idea, that that would become a non-negotiable in our church and something that happens freely, and often uh, and often, can I invite you maybe, to be that person in the room that simply says, "Let's pray." Can I invite you to be that person? It doesn't take a pastor to say those words. You know It takes a good friend to say those words. It takes a follower of Jesus to say those words. It takes somebody that's struggling to say those words. It takes someone that is feeling blessed to say those words. Can I invite you to be that person that says, time and again, let's pray. And as that happens, incrementally, this will become something I believe, something much more of a presence in our church, that we may be church as God intended us to be. Let's pray. Let's bow and pray. Oh, Father, won't you create in us such a knee-jerk, such a natural response in us to turn to you in prayer again and again? May that become something that is so natural in our lives that it becomes almost the default option. Help us, lead us to pray without ceasing. Help us to learn what it is to do that with other people, Lord. As we step into this deep experience of church, this incredible experience of what it means to be part of brothers and sisters in you, help us to learn what this means to be praying with each other. That this church as a body, we'll turn to you, the head of this church, and find our direction and our hope and our correction, everything that we need, our success, in this moment of turning to you together. Help us, Lord God, to find and unpack the incredible blessing that you've called us to. Lead us to that, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.